Gracious God, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you have sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. People hide for a variety of reasons. Some hide from a sense of shame, such as Adam and Eve in the garden, hiding from the Lord. Others hide out of fear, such as David, who fled for his life from the wrath of King Saul. In our gospel lesson for this morning, Jesus, we read, goes into hiding. And we're not told why. But if I had to guess, I would say that when Jesus goes into hiding, it's not for his sake, but for ours. We read in verse 36, page 8 in your bulletin, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, page nine in your bulletin. Why does Jesus hide himself? Well, letter A, his miraculous signs, his miracles, fail to produce faith among the people. We read in verse 37, though he had done so many signs among them, still they did not believe. It reminds me of uh, atheists today who say they don't believe in God because there's no evidence that he exists. Of course, I would disagree with that. There's plenty of evidence that God exists. But despite all of the evidence, some people will still find reasons to deny that. For example, point number one, they say that Christ's miracles are attributed to the devil. The Pharisees would say it's by the prince of demons that he cast out demons. And number two, his miracles, some believe, made him a national security risk. The Jewish leader said in John 11, what are we to do? This man performs many miracles. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. In other words, he will gain a large following, threatening Rome, and the Romans will come and take away both our place as leaders, and they'll take away this nation as well. That's why I say, if people do not want to believe, they will always find reasons not to. And letter B, human wisdom, also known as common sense, fails to comprehend God and his ways. It's that simple. St. Paul writes, the world, through its wisdom or its common sense, did not know God. That means we're fallen creatures. Our values are the opposite of what God values. We can't reach him through our wisdom Jesus said in Luke 16, that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. 
Point number one, common sense seeks God in all the wrong places, in worldly success, in political power, prosperity, popularity. And point number two, common sense equates man's approval with God's approval, and and nothing could be further from the truth. People today fall all over themselves trying to get on the right side of history. But every God-fearing individual will want to be on the right side of eternity because we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Roman numeral two, Christ hides himself in order to reveal himself. It's to reveal himself. I said earlier that if Christ hides himself, it has to be not for his benefit, but for ours. So that if the miracles themselves fail to produce faith, something else will. Therefore, Jesus withdraws his miraculous presence so that he might reveal his suffering presence to us. That means the time of the miraculous signs is past. Letter A, God rejects, he rejects any association with human power, human strength, human prestige. He rejects that. Not only are those things detestable to God, but those values actually lead us further away from God, not closer to him. And let her be. Therefore, it pleased God, Paul writes, to reveal himself another way, the way of the cross, the way of foolishness, which is totally contrary to common sense. And Paul writes, in 1 Corinthians 1, For in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through its wisdom. Therefore it pleased God through the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, always looking for an excuse not to believe. But we preach, Paul writes, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called by God, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God, and he is the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The cross of Jesus Christ is the weakness, it is the foolishness of God. But it's the proclamation of that weakness and that foolishness that will create saving faith in the hearts of men that the miracles could never accomplish. Point number one, through his own damnation, Christ will accomplish our salvation. From the cross, he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now that is damnation. And Jesus takes our damnation upon himself. And if you could witness the crucifixion of our Lord, your eyes would tell you that this man is a God-forsaken sinner, and you would be right. For St. Paul writes, 
God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. He didn't become like sin. He didn't just take our sins upon himself. He became our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, hidden, hidden underneath Christ's damnation is salvation for the world. That's where God puts salvation. It's hidden under the damnation of his son. Point number two, Christ will accomplish more through his weakness than through his strength. Jesus said, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. My friends, Christ's miracles, as wonderful as they were, produced little faith, but his suffering and death would do just the opposite. When unbelievers looked upon the cross of our Lord, they saw only weakness, but hidden underneath that weakness was real power, power to produce a worldwide movement, power to create faith and to change lives for eternity. And point number three, through the shame, through the shame he suffers for us, he manifests his glory. He manifests the glory of God's self-sacrificial love for all of us. His glory is hidden under his shame. The unbelieving world sees only the shame of a condemned man, but faith sees it differently. Hidden beneath the shame, is the glory of the one who would take our shame upon himself. Number four, through his death, he gives us life. The unbelieving world sees only a dying man on the cross. Faith sees things differently. Faith sees that his death means life for the world. Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It produces a harvest. Faith sees that hidden beneath this man's death is life for all. Roman number three. Christ's suffering explains ours. My friends, when we experience trials and tribulations in life, the question we always ask is, why me? Why now? The example of Christ should teach us to ask, why not me? Why not now? My friends, the disciple is not above his master. If the world hates Jesus, it will hate you. If Jesus is called to bear a cross, so are we. If Jesus is called to die to himself, to give glory to God, so are we. Now, our death is not a sacrifice for sin, as was his, and yet we're called to take up our own crosses and to follow him, to follow in his steps, so that our lives become portraits in miniature of the Christ who suffers. And my friends, there is no higher calling in life 
than to live and die in such a way that reminds others of Christ. In that sense, Christian suffering is a gift from God because we don't just suffer for Christ, we suffer with Christ. Paul refers to this in Philippians as the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. We share his experience in the world. In some small way, we do. We share an additional bond with him, in addition to the bond of baptism. It's an experiential bond, which helps to make the suffering worthwhile. Now, we do not seek suffering, but suffering finds all of us who follow Christ. Letter A, whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. My friends, you hate your life in this world when you subordinate every day, when you daily subordinate your agenda to his. And that is what it means to suffer for him. It means you subordinate your earthly desires to his will day by day, moment by moment. To hate your life in this world means that you consider your spouse more important than yourself and you live accordingly. To hate your life in this world means that you consider your children more important than yourself and live accordingly or your parents more important than yourself and live accordingly or your siblings more important than yourself and live accordingly. We live that way for this reason, because Jesus considered us more important than himself, and he lived and he died accordingly. When you do that long enough, you discover there's no more fulfilling way to live than this. Letter B. Christ's power will be displayed through our weakness. Christ's power will be hidden beneath our weakness. Now, Paul experienced weakness. He called it a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to buffet him. We're not told what it was, but it was disagreeable, whatever it was. And he asked the Lord repeatedly to take it away. But the Lord refused, saying, My power will be manifest, hidden under your weakness. Now, I don't like weakness. In fact, I fear it. But earthly strength is a mirage. Worldly power is an illusion. Christ's power is real. But it is revealed only in our weakness so that we might remember that it is his power at work in us and not our own. And I would rather be weak in the eyes of the world and strong in the Lord than to be strong in the eyes of the world and to be utterly devoid of Christ. My friends, when you experience weakness, and we all do, when you experience weakness, whether physical or spiritual or emotional, the world 
may look at you with pity because your weakness is all they see. But bear your weakness gracefully and wear it, I dare say, proudly. Because when you do, you have the satisfaction of knowing the truth, that beneath your weakness, hidden from the world's view, the power of Christ is already at work in you. In Jesus' name, amen.